0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Tyler, and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Singaporean printmaker James Tan. James has been working in this industry for around 15 years, and he knows everything you need to know about printing, the process of editing, and much more. He's incredibly knowledgeable in this industry, and he has a lot of very inspiring things to share, including storing your prints, how to take beautiful photographs that look good in print, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at PhotographyCourse.net, where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount.
1: Hi, James. Welcome to Great Big Photography World podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Hi, Sayas. I'm James. I'm based in Singapore, and I'm trained as a commercial photographer. But now I'm a retoucher, printmaker, and color management specialist.
1: This is is the first time that a printmaker is on the podcast. So, huge welcome to you. I'm sure that the listeners... to learn a lot from you. And it's such an exciting job, I think, very unique as well. Let's start with your beginnings. So you were a commercial photographer before you became a printmaker. And in around 2008, senior photographer encouraged you to focus on printing. What was it like to go from photography to printing?
2: Um, actually it was pretty smooth process, I would say. Uh, and it was very interesting because back in 2007, Um, There wasn't a lot of definitive guidance in printmaking or colour management. And we also know that the services that were on the market weren't really delivering a good enough product. And also at the same time, I was taking this qualifications exam for this association in the UK called Master Photographer Association, where we need to make uh, prints of our professional work to be judged and and therefore qualified to join the association. Uh, So it was then when I I came to require high quality prints. And as we go through that process, I had to learn more and more because um, my prints were not holding up, my images were not holding up to prints. The pictures of my friends, my colleagues, they were all not holding up to the printing services were provided. In Singapore at the time, and the quality just wasn't good enough for the exam because you know there'll be all sorts of problems, and therefore we kind of decided to to go our own way. You know, we 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 went and got absence involvement. We started to produce produce our own prints, and then through the exam a senior photographer from the same association kind of noticed me going through everything because I was helping my friends and my colleagues uh, make those prints on their behalf also. So, and then as I got deeper and deeper, I'm like, hey, you know, there's so much that I didn't know. Um, There are so much that I was doing wrong in my photography, in my post-production. That's why the prints aren't coming out properly. So it was very natural for me. It's like, I start to notice that prints are like the actual endpoint of photography to begin with. We take photographs for prints, not really for the web, not really for monitors, but for print. And if our photographs can't stand up to print, you know, then we have a problem as a photographer. (laughs) Yeah, there there was a lot of really tedious learning situation. And I had to experiment a lot on what is good practice, what is bad practice. Yeah, and, and eventually from the experimentations and the knowledge an experience that I've gained, eventually became a printmaker and people start coming to me asking for prints. And yeah, and and I see that as an extension of my photographic journey. Uh, So it wasn't that jarring of a change. Of course, you know, the um, business aspect, it it became um, a bit different because how we price for photography is different from how we price for printing as a service. Yeah, so that's kind of it.
1: (laughs) So interesting. I'm happy to know that it was a smooth transition for you and that you had someone who was able to mentor you or at least guide you in the right direction. And something that you mentioned just now that I also read in one of your interviews was that if a photograph doesn't look good in print, then something is wrong with the photograph. And when I read that interview, it was very eye opening to me because I've never thought of it from that perspective. And it's true. And so I think photographers can definitely learn a lot from the printing process. And other than that, what are the benefits of printing your own photographs in general?
2: Definitely, because, okay, I'll use an example um, that I always use in workshops that I teach. It's like, okay, so your camera or modern cameras nowadays are very big in megapixels, correct? And... The most high definition editing monitor that we have, it's probably 4K or 5K or maybe 6K. That doesn't hold up to the kind of resolution that a camera captures. So cameras are like 36 megapixels, 60 megapixels. There's there one that I sometimes use on projects. Um, that is 150 megapixels is a phase one camera, a commercial camera, no monitor can hold the kind of detail that these camera can capture. And it, it is only on the print can all these details come out in, in one shot. So printing my own photographs or, or photographers printing our own photographs is extremely important to our growth yeah because of of this reason alone it's only on a print that you can come face to face with the with the product with the image that you have captured with your camera if not there's no practical reason for buying a high megapixel camera unless you know all you do is take pictures and crop <laughs> right yeah
1: that's true
2: yeah and it is also true the print then we can come face to face with the problems or the bad habits that we sometimes have in the creation of our photographs. Sometimes we might have little mistakes. We might have problems in post-production. And a lot of times it doesn't come up on the digital display because, like like I said, the resolution is far too low uh, to show those little mistakes. But once once you print the image, every single mistake pops up. So it is important for photographers to, to use this process to, to say to ourselves, uh, oh, okay, um, there it is. Uh, I, I think I need to put more consideration into creation of this image because la la la, I, I see this problem and therefore the next time I, I take uh, a similar picture, I should I should pay attention to it. There's another example that I like to use, another thought exercise that I use in every workshop is like, even for hobbies photographers, not non-professional photographers, you know, um, we go for a holiday, right? We spend a big amount of money finding a nice destination, nice, interesting places to go. We go with our nice big camera costing, I don't know, um, $20,000, 30000 $40,000, and then we we make maybe 10,000 image, images from that from the trip. How many of those 10,000 images are we going to edit and put it online, maybe onto Instagram? Maybe 100 of them, right? And out of this 100, how many of them are you going to maybe print it out and put on your wall? Two or three of them? Mm-hmm. It really makes the photographer question themselves, why did we take so many pictures in the first place? What was going through our heads? It teaches us how to be considerate, how to exercise better sensibility in, in the creation of our images. So the the, print, the printing step of this whole workflow is, is so critical and it's something that we have Largely missed out in in this day
1: and age. You made some very good points and I really like the last point that you shared, especially because it highlights the importance of being considerate and mindful when you take photographs. You're completely right. When we go out, we take thousands of photos, tens of thousands. And out of those 10,000, we won't print that many because we're very selective when printing. And And
2: there's one one more thing I I also want to uh, mention is that when you print an image, it comes back into the physical world you don't have to constantly turn on a screen and go through a library just to find it you know when when it is a print it's always accessible sometimes it will last longer than our own lifetimes right so a print is something that that is to me is is permanent you want to make your image you know, more significant more permanent than 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 it is if it remains in a digital form. So that is very important, I mean, in my in my personal opinion on why photographers need to print.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you. And there's something so nice about having a physical print in your hands. Large, yeah. right? It's so exciting. Yep, yep. I have printed some of my photographs, not super professionally, but I have to use just general photography agencies. And you should
2: send me things. some of your images. I will print it and then I will send it back to you and you can see your images in full glory.
1: That would be nice. I would love that. <laughs>
2: all right, it's a deal.
1: I'll see all of my mistakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you of the mistakes before I print it. Of course, this is part of my service.
1: Really? Okay, and so what is your process like? How do you figure out these mistakes? Because I read somewhere that you use very high-quality monitors, right?
2: Uh, yeah, okay. So. The workflow is actually um, is actually pretty mundane. the The printing process is is very similar to like when you're driving a car from point A to point B, but it is also like when you're driving a car, you first you need to know where you want to go, right? You need to know your end your endpoint, the final destination. So when I do my printing process, first thing is uh, always communicate with clients about what they're looking for. What what do they want from the print? What is at an end point? Like, is it for a gift for someone? Is it to hang in somebody's house? Is it to be exhibited in art gallery? Is it to be sold? So I need to capture that first, right? And then I will conceptualize. Um, the workflow on how to get to the endpoint that we kind of agreed on. And then the, uh, with all the knowledge and, you know, of the processes, different processes, different paper and equipment that I have access to, I would draft a proposal and a contract. And then when everything is agreeable, uh, we move forward with the, the workflow. Um, First of all, of course, I'll I'll inspect the image files, right? Because image files sometimes, actually a lot of times, they are poorly edited. The post-production process, I mean, everyone knows how to use Photoshop and Lightroom, but a lot of times uh, what people do in there actually damage the image and the image is really not fit for printing. So I'll ask for the raw file and also a version of what they have edited, because that version is it, what they like, right, their, their, their sensibilities, their, their color tonings, and, and all. And, and then I will compare, uh, I'll inspect the images, I'll see what needs to be done, what edits need to be done. I'll point out issues that probably needs to be taken care of, extra retouching if is needed. And then uh, I'll remaster the raw, and I'll print, and I'll deliver. So that is kind of what the process is uh, is like.
1: I don't think it's mundane. I think it's exciting, especially the part where you have to compare the raw file with the edited file. Because you're probably an absolute professional when it comes to editing as well. If you know what kind of edits a photographer did to the original to make it look a certain way, right?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, so um, we... Me and other printmakers, um, we need to develop a certain level of trust uh, between us and our clients, because the editing file uh, will never see the light of day, because it, it holds all the issues um, that, uh, that that we find in the process of printing. Uh, and I, I myself, I was a trained uh, commercial retoucher um, before I became a printmaker or a photographer, um, so I, I know exactly how the process is like. Because as a retoucher, I retouch images for billboards, and a small mistake will look very, very big and obvious when it's up on a billboard, right? So uh, that's where I learned how to be very, very conscious about all the, all the little details and not let them survive in the workflow so you know we will we will capture all the problems and we will take care of them so that the final print won't, won't have all those uh, issues
1: really interesting thank you for sharing that and yeah you definitely have to be very careful when editing photographs for billboards as you said even a minor mistake can be can look very obvious on a billboard um, yeah other than the editing mistakes that photographers make sometimes, are there any other common mistakes that you've noticed to, that photographers make in general?
2: It is more of um, technical mistakes, like um, saving the file in the wrong format and using the wrong uh, color space and bit depth to edit. So it's it's more technical based rather than intentional mistakes. Yeah, that's that's about it. But... I see a lot of photographers okay because I, I was I do judging for some international photographic competitions and I'm, I'm one of the more detailed judges when it comes to um, how perfect a photograph is actually uh, when it comes to scoring. A very good photograph can can potentially score very high. A lot of times the score goes down because of editing problems, like when they're doing masking, they did not do it properly. So I see masking lines and residues. I see healing uh, mistakes or cloning brush mystics that it wasn't done naturally and properly. I see colouring mystics um, where things Sometimes they just push the saturation way too much and and the pixel actually starts to clip. All these kind of little mistakes. So the photographer, I feel, uh, especially modern photographers when we are, I guess 99% of us are in the digital realm. We do digital photography and we do digital post-production. We need to be very, very aware and mindful that Um, All these things can be seen, especially on print.
1: That's true. Yeah, I think those people are very lucky to have you as their judge because as difficult as it is to receive constructive criticism, if you receive it from someone who really understands the art of photography, then it can be super helpful and can completely change the way that you look at your own work. So it's great that you are open to helping other people and showing them Or at least giving them a score that can give them a better idea of their work in general. Yeah, yeah.
0: Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld.
1: Some of your clients include prestigious photographers, artists, galleries, and more. What have you learned while working with different photographers?
2: So I work with many types of um, photographers and also graphic artists. Most of them, they entrust their images to me, and sometimes they give me um, Some basic instructions on how they like their images to be, and we'll go um, for some back and forths. What I really treasure are the situations when I work with some of the best photographers around because they are also the most demanding clients. And because they are demanding, um, they know exactly what they want. Right. And and in those situations I learned how to connect with them, how to know more about their intents and desire from their pictures. And and I learned to help them like sort of to carry their images through the retouching phase where I edit and prepare the image for print, all the way to the exhibition phase where we work together to produce the exhibition. And because I work with uh, these very respected photographers and mentors, I I would call them, I I learned a lot in the process. I learned how to set up an exhibition. I learned about lighting, about the importance of of lighting in exhibitions. Because if you put a wonderfully well-printed picture up on the wall, if the lighting is bad, the picture will look bad no matter how well the picture is printed. So I learned about lighting. I learned about the psychological aspect of um, exhibitions where you have you know, a viewing path, how people walk through an exhibition and and what goes on in their head, whether the photographer wants to have, an, have a hand in directing their thoughts and their experiences as they go through the exhibition. These are all all the things I have learned as I work with these uh, more and more demanding individuals and and I truly treasure the experiences.
0: Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton.
1: Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level. By clicking the link in the description, that's what I did, and I haven't looked back.
0: If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. That's amazing.
1: It's so interesting to hear your stories about different clients, especially exhibitions and lighting. I Myself, I've never been involved in that so it's really interesting I'm sure for the listeners as well to hear about these things the way that a print is lit the way that people have to look at photographs in a certain sequence in order to be affected in a certain way psychologically all these things are very fascinating
2: yeah and and it's because they so willing to impart their knowledge uh, with me and they trust me to be able to execute what they want i am able to to gain uh, knowledge and experience from 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 these and and also help my other clients uh, elevate their own works elevate their own exhibitions and generally become better photographers i mean i've been doing this for i don't know 15 years i think and it, it, it really, these are actually the defining moments that, that make uh, me uh, improve in my own career. So, I mean, that, that's why I became an educator because freely people gave these knowledge and experiences to me. And I, now I have the burden and I have the responsibility to pass it on to the next um, generation to other photographers so that photography can 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 become better.
1: If you had to pursue commercial photography again, after all the things you've been through as a printmaker, what would you do differently?
2: Hmm, I'm not sure really, because I, I believe that all things happen for some reason. I'm really thankful for how my journey played out because um, I actually entered printmaking Uh, unofficially, and I had my first experience of photographic printing back in 91, 92, when I had access to um, Epson's first 720 dpi photographic inkjet printer. So back then I was a big uh, manga fan and I collect a lot of uh, Japanese art and manga graphic books. Like robots, you know, and things like that, you know, like, like a normal kid, right? Um, and I like to print it out because well, they, they provided the image CD uh, along with the book that I buy, so the image is there. I could I, I could print it, and then I I started to run into all sorts of problems that I that I already I mean that I can solve nowadays, but back then it gave it really opened me up to to this concept that yeah no, nothing beats um, having the print in your hand uh, and having access to all the details that the artist painstakingly put into the artwork because back then monitors were well pretty bad so experiencing printing back then was was I think one of the key uh, i say, moments or triggers that, that led me down this path. After that, I, I, was, uh, I was also, I'm um, not say trained, I, I taught myself Photoshop because it kind of came out at the same time. I wanted to edit pictures, the, some of the pictures I want to change colors. So, yeah, back then, I was already teaching myself Photoshop, doing image manipulation. And then, fast forward, I became a photographer. Uh, and with the knowledge of digital imaging kind of under my belt, i I was able to improve at a much faster rate. and then then I go, you know uh, as as my journey as a photographer went along, i I became involved in this um, association which required me to print, to edit, and print. and and you know, so, I, I went, I kind of went back to, to my beginning, to my roots. So if somehow I'm called to go back to being a commercial photographer, I guess it's it's also part of the journey. And the only thing I need to do is to to fully immerse myself in the experience and enjoy the journey. Yeah. Very <laughs> so, interesting. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do anything differently, I think maybe i would charge more money because now i know a lot more
1: (laughs) yeah that's
2: good yeah (laughs) but i think that's about it
1: yeah that's a nice answer i like that i like that you like to just embrace your life as it is i think that's really important and it shows in your life because you have these smooth transitions and it seems like you're very happy with where you are right now and i'm really glad that that's the case i want to i want to focus a little bit on the technical side of things in terms of equipment earlier you mentioned that you have a phase one camera are there any other cameras or lenses that you use and also what is your printing equipment
2: um so i do not own a phase one camera for my photography i use all types of equipment all types of camera depending on what the job requires a phase one camera is is about Fifty to one hundred thousand dollars. There's no way I can recoup on it on that investment unless I'm a full-time photographer. I rent them and I learn how to operate them uh, properly in order to maximize their technical capabilities. Uh, so, if, for example, for artwork reproduction, I'll use the Phase One, or I'll use a Fuji GFX, which is hundred megapixels, for scanning of. Film, negative, I will probably use those two cameras as well. For printing, I use both uh, Epson and Canon. I'm recognized by both the brands as printmaker, or sometimes they, they like to call me a printmaster or master printmaker because I'm able to communicate to their users on how to actually use their equipment properly because a lot of people, when they buy printer, they, they don't they don't really know how to use it properly. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm called in to, to give uh, workshops and, and technical trainings for those printers. So yeah, for printing, I use both uh, Epson and Canon large format, large garment inject printers. But I think in everything that I do, the key piece of equipment that I use is uh, my azo monitors um, because these monitors are created for i'll say precision graphic works uh, so uh, if you don't mind I talk a little bit about the uh, azo uh, monitors i think they are a company that had that, that started in the 1960s late 1960s 1970s and they started to make displays like uh, tvs and industrial displays from back then and they are still being made solely in japan and have their quality controlled done there and shipped out to the rest of the world so the level of the engineering is extremely high and they're using everything that's color and imaging critical like x-ray machines mri machines where A difference in tonality means will mean whether the doctor diagnoses you as as having cancer or not. Right. And they are also used in, I think, um, air traffic control industries and and all sorts of very critical industries. So I think for an image editor uh, like me, I need something that is extremely accurate in terms of color. And Because what I edit on my screen uh, is what I will expect the printer to produce. And in our digital imaging workflow, um, the weakest link is actually the monitor. So a lot of times when people print their images and they're like, Hey, um, why why does the print not look like what I'm seeing on a monitor? 99% of the time it is because the monitor is off calibration. So monitors all need to be calibrated. They are just like any musical instrument. Like if you own a piano, you need to tune it. You need to tune it so that it's in, it's in pitch. Um, sometimes when you want, if the piano is being used with other instruments, all of them needs to be tuned so that they are in sync with one another. So in in digital imaging or imaging in general where we do uh, editing for print or for any media display, uh, we have a couple of standards, uh, ISO standards that we that we follow. So all of our monitors need to be calibrated according to those standards. And having an ASO monitor uh, makes that so much more easy because they have built-in calibrators, they can auto-check themselves every two weeks or four weeks and if they detect any problems uh, they will auto-calibrate themselves so that they they return to the industry standard very, very quickly and easily. A normal calibration process for a non-AZO monitor takes about anywhere from half an hour to two hours. And uh, the aSO can do um, its self calibration in about five minutes. So that is that is um, something that our industry really treasure. Yeah, and it's used um, a lot of times on uh, on location photo shoots and all because you know when we move the monitor around, to be sure of the colors we will need to calibrate on site. And so, Having a monitor that can self- calibrate in five minutes' is a godsend, you know rather than setting everything out, the tentage, the car is there waiting, the model is there waiting, twenty assistants are waiting for the digit, digital technician to be there calibrating the monitor for two hours. you know that that won't work. So aSO uh, monitors are very crucial in 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 those situations as well. So this is one piece of equipment that is that cuts across all my workflows. And of course, you know I have my calibration hardware my x right, i1 Display Pro, my i1 Pros, i1 Pro Tools, i1 Isis XL, i1 iOS, you know, everything that that I use to ensure that my printer also conform uh, to the color standards that, that I require.
1: Very interesting. Thank you for sharing. And I can see why your industry treasures these monitors because you know, they're very sort of and the way to Ultra
2: accurate and help save so much time.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's so important, as you said, during the shoot, if a monitor can calibrate itself within five minutes, that's just amazing compared to other monitors. As you said, you don't need to wait for anyone to do anything specific. You don't need to make your clients wait. And then for you, the editing and the viewing experience is so much different to other monitors. Um,
2: yep. Yep, exactly. And a lot of times clients will come to me and, Hey, why does your, the picture that you print not match what I have on my phone? Yeah, but that's that that's another story, <laughs> you know. Um, so I have to educate them, you know. Uh, so phone screens, uh, smartphone screens aren't really calibrated displays, and we have this and that. So it, it becomes a talking point, and it enables us to, to educate uh, clients more easily on the kind of, Workflow that their that their pictures are being put through, so that they are able to be more aware and sometimes change their own workflow so that they can edit their own pictures more accurately at home or in their offices, rather than you know having having to send the image to me and I tell them that hey you know what uh, your clients uh, let's say you are a photographer that shoots babies for a living right sometimes if their monitors are not calibrated. And they do their image editing on non-calibrated monitors, the baby's skin will look like it has jaundice or it looks like a particular unhealthy shade of green that nobody, no parents want to see their their, 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 their baby have, you know. So yeah, so it, it gives us um, an avenue for educating other professionals on, hey, you know what, you need you need to you need to really pay attention to the color aspect of your workflow also.
1: It's really interesting that your profession allows you to teach your clients important things and that in turn it also gives your clients opportunities to teach you something through their work. So everyone's always learning from one another. I think that's really special. Yep. I want to ask a question related to storing prints because you mentioned that sometimes if print is preserved well, then it can last for a lifetime even longer. What tips would you give to people who want to store their prints safely?
2: This is uh, a very important question. So a finished print has has a few environmental enemies. One of them is uh, ultraviolet light, um, which can come from almost anywhere. One of the more common sources of ultraviolet light is actually sunlight. So um, you need to really keep your your prints away from sunlight, especially um, from windows that are not uh, UV filtered. So, if you frame your your prints, um, they need to have uh, glass that specially filters out UV, so that the UV degradation doesn't go doesn't get to them. Uh, because even if they are indoors, if you're lighting, if your artificial lighting indoors, uh, use fluorescent lamp or any arc arc-lighting uh, lamps, there will be some form of UV um, being produced and that can harm the print. Another enemy for print longevity is, is humidity. Not that the print is vulnerable to, to being high humidity. Uh, normally it is not, but it is what gets onto the paper um, that might cause the damage. So, I mean, if if we avoid you know, getting the print wet, there is still um, the risk where if the surrounding humidity is high, it will breed certain types of uh, mold or fungus. So the, the fine art paper that we use for prints sometimes have alkali buffers in them to negate the effects of acidification, because when the When the paper becomes too acidic, it it becomes a very conducive environment for molds and stuff to grow. So the papers, most of the time, are buffered to a pH of 8 or something so that, you know, they can fight off uh, these um, acidification conditions. Yeah, basically, if you take care of UV, um, you take care of humidity. And it is nicely framed so no, no kid walks past and touch the actual print. It should be fine. It should be fine for a very long time. An example I would use is that uh, there are some image permanence organizations in the world that does all these uh, testings on the longevity of prints. Uh, and most of them agree that if you if you make a print you and you want to store it, like... You know, it has been sitting on a wall for about six months. You want to shift to another print and now you have one print that you understand. store. If you put it into a cupboard, a dark cupboard, no sunlight, well controlled humidity, I guess below 50% or 40%, that print should last over a hundred years, given the kind of ink technology and paper technology that we have nowadays.
1: That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing these tips. And I think it's amazing that the technology that's available nowadays, especially the printing technology, allows for prints to stay alive, let's say, for over 100 years. That's mind-blowing to me. And it's so uplifting as well to people who print their photos and who want to store them safely for many years. And it's nice to know that the things that you print will be able to be preserved for a long time, that maybe your children or grandchildren will be able to view them as well.
2: Yeah, so that is one of my, uh, I'll say, there is something I find satisfying about printing because my own grandfather is is a hobbyist photographer and he did a lot of prints when he was alive and they are still around. He captured the life of my my mom's family when they were growing up, when they were kids, all through their lives. So it, without those prints, I would have never known how how my mom lived, how my relatives lived back in the day. They would, you know, take those old photographs um, and, and show me, hey, you know, so this is our. This was our old compound. This is a tree that we used to climb. This is where we used to go. This is your grandfather's boat, you know, things like that. So having a long-lasting print, it's it kind of instilled within me an expectation of how or what a print should be, you know, to communicate, messages across vast periods of time to me that's what a print should should be uh, what 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 it exists for
1: it's incredible it's a very powerful thing and when you combine that with photography as you said it can convey message for many years to many different kinds of people especially in a family, that's so precious. And even if you have clients for whom you take photos, family photos, wedding photos, it's so precious, I'm sure, for them to have.
2: Precisely, yeah. The print is the ultimate endpoint for a photograph. And for photographers that that create images, the print is the final uh, endpoint.
1: I think it can be very motivating as well. For me, it's definitely been motivating to know that when I have a shoot, then I might select some of the photographs and print them because it's it adds something to the photo shoot. You know that you'll ultimately have something tangible in your hands. And yes. that's very exciting to me.
2: Yeah, and, and when you choose the image for the print, normally it is the best image from that shoot. Mm-hmm. So choosing an image for for print is the exercise of a photographer coming face to face with the reality of his skills.
1: Exactly. Yes, you're right. It's uh, it's very inspiring and it can teach you a lot about yourself, uh, much more than if you just left your photos as they are digitally. Do you ever print your own photographs?
2: Yes, and I am very afraid to. Uh, really? <laughs> because it is, a, it is a challenge to myself. Um, so I will print images that I've taken 10 years ago and I will find it unsatisfactory and I will go back and re-edit the raw files again and again and print it so I will spend so much time that I don't have enough time for myself to make money to live so yeah so it although it's enjoyable uh, it's it's also something that I am uh, I'm trying to balance
1: <laughs> I understand it's very difficult to look at your own work and to objectively, Give gives you yes. constructive criticism. Yes. That's something everyone yes. struggles with. I'm sure the listeners can relate, so I understand you.
2: Yeah, but it's, all, it's something that all photographers have to go through, have to face, because it is the only way that we will grow.
1: I think it's not too similar, but kind of on the same level as listening or hearing your own voice.
2: Yes, exactly. Like like musicians uh, or singers, you have to record yourself, right? And And... And, and listen to yourself sing, it can be quite scary, right?
1: Yes, it's so strange. I think people are used to looking at themselves in the mirror, that's such a common thing to do, but listening to your own voice is a very surreal experience. It took me a year to get over my own voice and to actually <laughs> be okay with listening to it for this podcast. <laughs>
2: uh, well, yeah, Um, if it's any consolation, I am totally not used to listening to my own voice at all, as well. so. It will be weird for me.
1: No, I'm sure it'll be great. Well, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world?
2: I think it's something that I've mentioned in, in this interview is that I'd like to help more photographers realize that the print is the actual intended endpoint for uh, their photography. And if they are avoiding printing for any reason, it is actually uh, pretty detrimental to their growth as a photographer and I strongly encourage them to to print uh, more of their image so that they can complete the cycle and and grow um, at a much faster rate as as you know the, um, the journey intends for us to grow.
1: That's a really beautiful answer and I completely agree with you. I think I am more inspired now than ever to print my own photographs thanks to everything that you shared and I hope the listeners, had a similar experience and I want to thank you for taking the time to share so much valuable information with me. I learned a lot and as I said I'm very inspired to print my photographs so yeah thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it.
2: Yes please uh, send your photographs to me I will print it and I will send them to you.
0: That would be amazing okay thank you so much James.
2: All right cool.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I think that there's so many benefits to printing, as James said, and it's a very inspiring process. As I said earlier in this episode, I think it's really exciting to have something tangible that you've made in your own hands and to see your work in person, so to speak. I hope that this episode inspired you to print some of your own photographs and to think deeply about your process, why you chose certain photographs and what draws you to print certain images from your portfolio. If you have any questions for James, or if you just want to share these thoughts on these episodes with us, make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. Thank you once again for watching and see you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every subforum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day, which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography.